You're listening to the Run Pass Option with Pro Football Hall of Famer Isaac Bruce and Doc Holliday. We talk sports because we know sports. Hi, right, how are you? Welcome to another episode of the Run Pass Option with Pro Football Hall of Famer Isaac Bruce and Doc Holiday. I am Doc Holiday, Pro Football Hall of Famer. How you doing, sir? How you doing? Hey, I'm well and I'm well and I'm blessed, Doctor. And uh, you know, for two former professional football players, man, uh, this is basketball season. We're gonna be talking a lot of basketball on this episode, man. So let's let's get at it. We are, man. Even though the NFL draft is coming up on tomorrow, but man, I don't do all that uh, predicating, predictive, man. I just Wait, wait till the draft comes, and then we'll talk about it then. But you're right, bro. In the NBA playoffs are in full effect and a lot of great games, specifically my Memphis Grizzlies, man. Memphis Grizzlies taking on the Minnesota Timberwolves in game five at FedEx Forum, bro. And we pulled it out, 111 and 109. Hey, man, that little dude we get named John Morant, who just got most improved player, which I don't, give, I don't understand why the hell he was in that category to begin with. But just got most improved player award a couple of years, uh, days ago. Bro, Isaac Bruce, my man hit a, 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 a last second layup, which was so athletic, bro. Uh, did you see, did you see what he did, man? And did you see how we came back and won that game, even though we played like trash most of the damn game? Uh, you know, to be honest, I was specifically watching the Miami Heat series. Of course you but- were. You know, it came on, it kind of came on before the Memphis Grizzlies game came on. So I could kind of stagger the two to the two games. But I did see the, see the ending of the Grizzlies, man. And and Doc, you know, I, I gotta be honest, I was amazed. Um, it, it's as if right before our very eyes, we see the maturation of two current superstars in the NBA association, man. So I mean that one being Anthony Edwards of the Minnesota Grizzlies. Uh you got Big Cat there, but no disrespect to him. And one John Morant, man. I think, you know, the, the the drama that's created by these games from one game to another, from city to city, from Minnesota to Minneapolis to uh, Memphis, Tennessee, the drama in between the games, man, it's so, it's so heavy on these two teams. The pressure of it is so heavy. And I just love seeing these next level guys rise to the occasion, Doc. I mean, where, where you have, guys that are literally taking over new alpha dogs that are literally taking over their teams, taking them to the brink, closing. And when the game gets close, it's amazing how, and I'll use a word that great Charles Barkley used, the bus drivers rise to the occasion. So one Anthony Edwards and next John Morant from the emphatic dunk that he had in that game to really closing it out with the game winner a very athletic move to be able to maneuver around uh, a, a, a defensive tree that's in your way to finish off a game under that kind of pressure doc. That's just amazing, man. It's true when they say that pressure makes diamonds and pressure also causes people to burst. So I believe the choice is uh, jobs at this moment. And I think he's becoming a diamond, man. A diamond is what you said, bro. And he put up a diamond performance in the fourth quarter though. He finished with 30 points, 13 rebounds, nine assists. I almost had, damn near, I almost had a triple double again. But the what he did in the fourth quarter, man, I can't, I ain't gonna even, I can't really talk about what he didn't do in the first three quarters because the first three quarters, he wasn't being aggressive. 
I don't I don't know what I didn't know what the hell was going on with him. I'm standing, I'm I'm at the game. I'm like, man, what the hell is wrong with Ja, bro? He not attacking, he not being that aggressive. But the thing about it, Patrick Beverly has done a good job of kind of hounding him, man. And every time he tries to drive, they'll switch out on him, or they'll immediately clog that lane up where he can't get to it. So in that fourth quarter, bro, he just finally was like, you know what? Everybody that came to see me, man, Usher is in the building sitting next to Ja's dad because they say they look alike, and damn it, they do look alike. We had Zebo in there. We had my boy Head, man, Big 30, little rappers. Boosie was there. I don't know why the hell Boosie be at Memphis Grizzlies games. But he there, man, with his chest all out. I want to go down there and say, bro, if you don't got dang button your damn shirt up, man, I don't know about see that, man. Cat Williams, I heard, was there. Alex, Rock, uh, Alex Rodriguez was there. I was there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So a lot of stars in the building, man. And Ja put on a show, bro. Uh, I can wonder even that it's just the fact that, like I said, he he wasn't playing aggressive the first three quarters. Then that dog, he scored eight. He scored what? How many points he scored? Eighteen points in the, in the fourth quarter, bro. He scored the Grizzlies' last eleven points. He had a three pointer so big with about a minute left to play, gave us our first lead. But then hell, Anthony Edwards came back and hit a damn, you know, tie the game up. He hit a big shot too, a three to tie the game yeah. up uh, with three seconds left. But then we get the jaw. I don't even know how to describe the damn layup, bro. It's like a slinky, twisty joint, man. You go up, you see somebody's body, and he has ability to just change his body and, and twist it in the air, man, and do, do things. I ain't never seen it, man. 30 points, 13 rebounds, nine assists for the young Royal, bro. And as much credit as we give Ja Ike, we got to give Brandon Clark some credit. Now, Desmond Bain balled out. He's really the most improved player. How, what you think about that, man? Ja Morant getting his award, and he, he immediately – well, not immediately, but – he had them uh, deliver his award to Desmond Bain, and Desmond Bain goes in the kitchen and be like, man, 12, tell 12 to get his award back. But I like the gesture, bro. Well, I think it's funny. I mean, I think it's a, a, a neat gesture, but at the same time, it shows us that that particular award, the most improved player award, can not only go to, you know, say a first-year or second-year guy, but I think anyone is now eligible for it. That when you give John ja Morant the reward, the, the award for the year, um, I think he was uh, on many people's MVP ballot this year uh, from the way he played. Uh, we talked about it on, on another episode. He probably was fourth or fifth, uh, you know, as far as uh, being on the finalist list. But you know, we talk about that exuberance of youth, Doc. I mean, he just—he's just the energizer bunny. Um, he ignites everything that the Memphis Grizzlies are attempting to do. He's the catalyst of it. And when you see how, how rambunctious and how, how rowdy the Memphis crowd is and the way he electrifies them, man, you're talking about a one, a, a, a leader of many, a leader of 19,000, and that leader being John Morant on top of what he's doing to end games, to closing out games. So it's very rare that you see a point guard, particularly of his statue, being able to be the team's closer. And he's dictating. He's setting the table for a lot of other people, the Baines of the world, the Clarks of the world, Jaron Jacksons. He's setting the table for these guys, man. And these guys are finishing, and they're doing their job to make sure Ja is uh, efficient in what he's doing, man. Not the best shooting night, 9 for 22, but at the same time, he does so many other things. He's rebounding. He's uh, assisting. You said he almost had another triple-double uh, to go with the one he had previously. So Ja Morant is becoming that superstar right before our very eyes. Man. And, you, and you're right. And he, and he straight NFT'd Malik Beasley, man. I mean, damn. 
NFT is one of those, you know, there's non-fungible, uh, uh, non-fungible uh, tokens. When he dunked on the brother, that's the NFT, man. He NFT Malik Be- Beasley, and it looks so pretty, man. And I agree, B, you made, a gr- you made a great point, bro. Because the fact of the matter is, your game has taken another level. If you can kind of coast through the three quarters, like what he was doing, that's far as offensive-wise, because he was, like you said, he was hitting the glass, he was grabbing rebounds. He hands out some dimes, man, because once he penetrates and dribbles, bro, he can find players, and he does, and he often finds Brandon Clark, and Brandon Clark finishes around the rim. I got to give him some credit, too, man. He had 24, yeah. 21 points, 15 boards, 9 to 14 field goals off the bench, and he he gives us consistent energy and effort, but Ja has – he is elevating because – he cruising through offensively, and when you can turn it on like that, bro, in the playoffs in the fourth quarter like he did, damn, dog, 18 points in the fourth, that is superstar stuff. And you score the last 11 points for your team, man, to win the game and the last second shot. Okay, Joe, I, I don't know if you were trying to lull our ass to sleep the first three quarters and woke up, but you woke up in the fourth and you woke us all up, bro. And Malik Beasley, you are NFT, man. But Joe Morant, I, another level, I. But, Doc, I often say that John Morant is too much fish for that pond. You keep saying that, man. Right what now. you mean by that, I, bro? I, I, <laughs> Mississippi River is a big that. river, I mean, huh? I mean, indeed it is. Indeed it is. But at the same time, you know, you have certain players who are, you know, they're too much. They're just too much for that city. So, therefore, you know, other places call them to conquer. But, here, but, but hear me out, Doc. Now, just seeing, you know, kind of what I've been seeing the last two games that have been played in Memphis. Not only is that seed, here's, here's the thing about a seed. A seed has the ability to draw what it needs to him. So mm-hmm. I call Ja the seed. Ja is drawing the attention of, uh, of the National Basketball Association, uh, all, all of their affiliates, their sponsors, their, their TV programming right there to Memphis. He's drawing the Doc Holidays of the world into the building, the Usher Raymonds of the world into the building. He's bringing Zebo back into the building. So that's an amazing feat for a player like him to have, a gift for him for him to have. And it's a renaissance. It's like it's like a, 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 a one man leading a, a, the, the USC band, and he's the conductor of it right now. So he has that ability to bring that enthusiasm, that juice right down to downtown Memphis, man. And he's he's serving notice to just everybody in the National Basketball league association and other cities right now so when i oftentimes when i say he's too much he's too much fish for that pond i mean he does have the ability to make that pond a lake a lake and and turn it into an ocean so he has that ability man we're seeing it happen thank you man that's what i wanted to hear you say bro don't be trying to fish our big fish (laughs) up out of here bro you know what i'm saying mississippi river is a long river it goes from here damn near i want to say to africa so it's plenty of that's 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 big enough for me man but, he, uh, yeah. uh, but the way Josh stepped up in that fourth quarter, man, when we needed him to step up and the way he's yeah. able to click it on and say, okay, I'm going to be aggressive, even though Patrick Beverly is bugging the hell out of me, man, and they doubling me and trying to tough me up. Uh, but the Grizzlies just dominated, man. But you did talk about uh, Anthony Edwards, who's a young star, man. He finished with 22 points, hit that game, game time three with three seconds left, man, tied the ball game up uh, at 109, which, which was a huge shot for a young fella, man. Carl Anthony Towns, 28 points, 12 rebounds. He had another solid game. But the fact of the matter is the Grizzlies, well, what they did and how they were playing, bro, because looking at this, not only Ja, 30, 13, and 9, and we talk about Brandon Clark, but Desmond Bain, man, 25 points, 
Dude is just a consistent damn hooper. Like I say, he looks like a damn strong safety. Look like he'll knock your head off, but he's a consistent hooper. But these others, Grizzlies won the rebounding battle 53 to 14, but Ike, 18 boards, 18 offensive boards for the Grizzlies, just six offensive boards for the T-Wolves. Man, look, that's 12 more opportunities you give yourself to score, and we win by two. Bro, that's a that's one, even the points in the paint, we won 62 to 38. That's good, but them off 18 offensive rebounds, bro, to go with just six offensive rebounds yeah. for Minnesota, that to me says a lot. That, that's a tall tale as far as the ball game is concerned, man, because we got all those extra opportunities that they didn't get. Well, when you talk about offensive rebounding, Doc, you're talking about a, a, a second chance for your offense to, to put points on the board, but at the same time, it puts the Minnesota Timberwolves defense in a scramble. When you don't get your defensive re rebound by finishing the defense, by getting that defensive rebound, your guys are out of place now. So they're scrambling. You may have some trying to break out and go down the, down the field for a fast break opportunity, but you don't have the rebound. But you give that offense a, 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 an extra opportunity. Guys are scrambled. So now what do you have? You have wide open shooters like Bain. You have guys like Clark. You have guys who are on the corner, Dillons of the world, who are wide open and are willing to take that shot and knock down that three-point which is demoralizing to a defense when that happens. So for the Grizzlies to win that offensive rebounding battle, man, it, it only bodes well for what they're trying to accomplish. And when they do that, man, it gives guys like John Morant another opportunity to add to the stat sheet. And you're right, man, but they do have to play better, bro. It's, it's, a, it's, it's my guy here named Anthony saying He tweeted something out, man, like the Grizzlies might be the only team who, who win in a series that they're actually losing because they still haven't played their best basketball. But I got to love what they're doing, man, and uh, – I also love what Taylor Jenkins did before going into this game. Now, he complained about the referees and, the you know, the bad refereeing from the previous game in Minnesota where we lost and they was calling all kinds of fouls on us. Now, Taylor Jenkins was fined $15,000. Now, they asked Desmond Bain, young player, was he going, you know, was, were they going to contribute to paying Taylor Jenkins fine? Now, with me, I'm, I'm like, hell no. He got more than enough money to pay on himself. And Desmond Bain was like, uh, no, go to them veterans, man. I'm, I got to keep my pennies. Go, and he ex, he is exactly right. But I say that because Taylor Jenkins went off about the officiating in the last game, about the fouls called, the discrepancy of the foul shots and the foul call. So you can say it worked because the Grizzlies went to the free throw line, attempted 39 free throws. T-Wolves just 24. Now the Grizzlies shot horribly from the free throw line, missed 13 damn free throws, but we got also got 15 more free throw attempts than Minnesota. I think the referees took it upon them to be like, okay, let me look at, see what they're talking about. Because when you're able to bang job, man, and get away with fouling, you know, just like Boston was able to be aggressive with Kevin Durant and, and, and shut him down. When you're able to do that, man, uh, you can pr pretty much be the team. But do you think that that yapping? Had the referees be like, okay, let me look at this. And do you do is, is what Desmond Bain entertaining to you as it was to me when he was like, hell no, bro, I'm just getting pennies. You better go to them bets with their big chains and ask them for some money. Well, I'll say this, Doc. You know, when you when you take coaching one-on-one, uh, that's one of the that's one of the the primary studies that you take or prerequisite that you take as far as being a, a head coach in a national or any league uh that that's that's out there. You know, you look at Pat Riley, you look at uh uh, Phil Jackson, you look at all these great coaches that have been in this league and have won championships, 
when a team gets blown out and when it, there's a huge discrepancy uh, as far as the calls, the fouls that are being called, you really start making preparation for that next game and the post-game interview of the game that you just finished playing. Monty Williams is an example of that. And if you have to go out and say something towards the refs, you want to be heard. We don't get an we don't get an opportunity to interview referees, Doc. So we we can't ask them. Um, so what do you think about this upcoming game? Or you think you'll call more fouls to to favor the Memphis Grizzlies? We don't have that opportunity. But they do watch these shows. They do listen to run pass option. They do read the newspaper when they're traveling, and that and those things come up in their eyes, and they're 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 more keen to start calling fouls for whoever that coach that went on that 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 post game rant and make it more beneficial for his team. Now, as far as that fifteen thousand goes, when you ask a, a, a Bain if he's going to contribute, I say this, Doc: uh, you are who you are if you're making a million dollars even if you're making $30 million. So if you'll if you contribute making a million while you're making a million, I think you'll contribute when you're making 30 million. You don't change just because the the, the increase or, or the salary level goes up. It only enhances who you already are. So either you're gonna contribute or you're not gonna contribute. That's a yes or no question. So as far as Bain is concerned, you know, I don't knock him. That's just what he does. And uh, yeah, these coaches are making pretty good money, Doc. I think he can take care of that $15,000 on his own. You damn right, and I'm with Bain. Hell no, I ain't giving them nothing. I ain't telling them to say that. That's his loot. That 15 G's, the team probably paid anyway. So, no, but salute to the Grizzlies, man. Now game six moves to uh, Minnesota on Friday. The Grizzlies can close it out and win their first play playoff series since 2015. So, I hope they take, you know, this grit and grind. I, I hope they play, you know, because they haven't played their best basketball yet. And the fact of the matter is, Minnesota, y'all should be scared a little bit. Because they hadn't played their best basketball as a team yet. Because Jaron Jackson Jr. fouled out again. He got to give us more, too, bro. I like you, Jaron Jackson Jr., but, man, you have got to step your damn game up in the playoffs. This ain't that, bro. You know they're going to – you know they're looking at you knowing you're going to foul. You fouled out again, dog. You, you fouled out again. You gave us 12 points, but we got to have you, man. Yeah. We got to have you, Jaron Jackson Jr. You can't keep putting yourself in positions to get locked up like that, bro. And he constantly does. But hey, that's supposed to be our big two. But now our big two is John Morant and Desmond Bain. But Ike B, Jaron Jackson Jr., man, I ain't counting his money. I ain't one of them dudes like some of them other suckers. Somebody, well, you're getting paid this money. That's what you're supposed to be. I ain't doing none of that. <laughs> but Jaron, as far as what we need, because we ain't winning. No, we, in order to win the NBA title, bro, we, if we can move on, get to the next round, Jaron Jackson Jr. got to give us more, bro. But he, 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 I ain't going to say he disappearing, but damn, bro, you, I, I got to, I want to see some dog, Ike B. You know, I got to see some more dog out of JJJ, man. Well, I think Jaron Jackson is a legacy player. So, yeah. so therefore, I think he has a level of self-awareness uh, that he can impose on himself. And if not, I think his parents can can really sit down and watch film with him and let him know what's going on. I mean, I just think he sometimes he needs a reminder. A lot of player, a lot of players, a lot of us, we need reminders about who we are as a basketball player, what we have, the gifts that we possess, and really just really focus in on that and uh, just be better the next game. I think, um, this, like I said, the drama of these games are different from game to game. Jared, Jaron Jackson is having the light shined on him right now, probably in a negative light, but he's only 
two to three three point shots from having that light to switch to a positive role. So and that kind of kind of gets a guy going. You know, oftentimes when guys are in a slump in the NBA, the best way to get out of that slump is start take, taking the ball to the rim, get fouled, go to the free throw line, and seeing the ball go through the net. So those things help players, and uh, I think that's where Jaron Jackson is right now. And if I was Jaron Jackson Jr., man, because he's long and athletic, he has great feet, bro. Uh, if you're not hitting shots, man, but what you how you can get yourself into the ball game and get – bro, hit the defensive glass, man. Hit the offensive glass, yeah. man. Try to try to snatch one off the rim and dunk on a cat's head, even if you miss – even if you get called for a foul, bro. Because they're calling your ass for a foul anyway, so you may as well make them count. Uh, uh, dive on the ball for loose, you know, on the ground for loose balls, man. Do things like that. That can get you emotionally in the game. And before you know it, you want you knock down one shot. Now they're looking for you, and you can knock down more. Then more shots that come your way. But luckily for the Grizzlies, man, we still up. They still up three games to two, and they haven't played their best basketball. One of their best players hasn't played his best basketball. He haven't even really been on the court, and they still up three two. So Minnesota. If the Grizzlies mess around and get the Grizzly in on your ass in, in game six, y'all going to lose by 25. You know what I'm saying? Because y'all pretty much outplayed them, but they keep getting you. But Anthony Edwards, salute to you, young Royal. Hit a big shot, man. Wasn't enough. Carl Anthony Towns, you didn't kind of shut everybody up the last two games. So I ain't going to leave you alone. But don't say what you said. We're going back. Don't say what you said the other day. We in, we're in Minnesota now. Hell that mean, bro. It don't mean nothing. We're in Minnesota now. But I know cats were – uh. They were in, some people were in in eight in Atlanta. Were they in Atlanta last night? Or what? What they play last? No, uh, it was in Miami, right? I already know. Appreciate, appreciate you switching it over. I mean, we we've done the, the majority of this show talking about the Memphis Grizzlies and the Minnesota Timberwolves. Well, you let me leave can the conversation. Please, That's why, bro. Can we <laughs> please talk about? Can we please talk about the teams that have clinched to the next round? Come on, man. I mean, come on, Doc. Let's even this thing out a little bit, man. Man, we are about to, bro. We are about to. The <laughs> Miami Heat. Miami Heat closed out their first round Eastern Conference playoff series against the Atlanta Hawks last night. 97 to 91. 90, 97 to 94. Series is over. The Heat win four games and one. And they play without their best guy. Jimmy Butler, you know, sits out with knee soreness. I'm like, okay. I'm thinking that maybe he was a little hurt, but they're like, man, we got a lot, we got a nice little lead. You know what I'm saying? You take some rest, but I'm thinking it may be a problem, but hell, man, it wasn't no problem at all, bro, because Victor Oladipo just stepped in. He bought out. How many points Victor have? 23. Bam, out of bio, 20 points, 11 boards. And Miami Heat, bro, hey, man, I ain't going to talk. I'm going to let you talk about him, but they won. This is what I'm going to say. The Miami Heat beat the Atlanta Hawks 97 to 94 to close out that series four games to one. Victor Oladipo scored 23 points. Bam out of Bayou, 20, 20 points, 11 boards. That held Trey Young to 11 points on two of 12 field goals. Even uh, He finished this series averaging 15 points a game and 28 points a game in the regular season, so they shut Trey Young down. So that's all I'm going to say. You got it, man. Go ahead on ride out with the Miami Heat. Go on ride, on, go on, go on ride out on them, bro. Go on slurp them up, dog. <laughs> so so here's the thing doc let's just let's just start right here the miami heat advanced to the next round of the nba playoffs by stifling stifling if that's one word i can use yeah. we stifled the atlanta hawks and trey young four to one and we were minus two of our starters last night not only did jimmy butler not play yeah. but kyle lowry missed his sure. second game due to a hamstring injury injury so doc here's the thing i think I said stifle. Another word I would use was we exposed something in Atlanta, man. 
I think from a from a from game one all the way to game five, we put out a blueprint that I think other teams will now use, not only in that division, but also in the conference, the Eastern Conference there is, to manage Trey Young. I mean, we forced him into a lot of bad shots. I think the game plan that we set around him because we know he's the table setter for the Atlanta Hawks was just magnificent. Eric Sposher did, did a, a wonderful job corralling this guy, making sure that we were picking him up 94 feet, making him hard for him to get the ball after he passed it, taking, forcing him to make, I mean, just tough shots, Doc. I mean, shooting logo three-pointers, man. I mean, a lot of people go ooh and ah when they go in, but when they're not going in, it's a detriment to their team. Let's just be real about that. And we forced Trey Young into positions that he really wasn't comfortable in the entire series. So I think this blueprint of what the Miami Heat showed and gave on how to defend Trey Young is going to spread through the league like wildfire until, until Trey Young develops a more uh, uh, a better game as far as penetrating, shooting his mid range, and kind of bringing his three point shot in just a little bit more. Doc, because you know the argument has been going: who's the better player, Luca or Trey Young? In that trade, they were traded for each other on on, on a draft day. But I think the game plan that Eric supposed to use as far as cycling this young man, man, is going to spread through the league like wildfire until he changes it. They stayed up in the cuff, man. They stayed up in his cuff. And, you know, Trey Young likes to dribble sometimes, but he loves to do all that dribble, dribble, and shooting all deep. And you got to understand, man, uh, the, the regular season is entertainment. Once Cats get the playoffs, they start playing some ball, bro. And all yeah. that, you know, even though he did leave, uh, lead the Hawks to the Eastern Conference Finals last year, but, you know, it's a different situation. And it looks like Miami, man, was switching out defenders on him, man, and getting up in his grill and not letting them dribble, not letting them get those clear shots. So now he wants to go out a little deeper and shoot from the logo. And, bro, you might hit a couple of them, but your ass ain't, you ain't hitting 45%, man, shooting from way back there. Like you said, it looks good when, it knocks, when you knock them down, but if your ass consistently taking those shots in a ball game, especially a playoff game, it ain't happening, man. I'm just uh, – impressed on the defense they did play on. Like I said, 15 points a game in this series, man, when he averaged 28 points during the regular season. He had 30 assists and 30 turnovers, so he just erased all the assists he gave out because he turned the ball over just as much. So salute to the Miami Heat who are moving on to the second round, man. And it was another game last night, but that was over in the West. Before I jump to the West, I want to get your thoughts on the Boston Celtics, man. I want to say Brooklyn just – I mean – Boston just broomed Brooklyn right on up out of there, man. Swept them four yeah. games to none, bro. Now, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving has caught a lot of slack because they the two stars of the team, especially Kevin Durant. I mean, it's some national media spokespeople, man. They've said the most meanest, and I say unfair things about Kevin Durant and Kyrie and Ben Simmons. Now, I use my Twitter to go at their head. Now, with, with, with my brother Isaac on the, on, on, on the show, I, I, I'm going to keep it nice, but they say it, it hurts his legacy because Kevin Durant got swept out. Ike, I'm going to ask you this. Why does Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving get the blame for that and not the head coach, Steve Nash? Because Boston, with that great young black coach, Ime Udoka, uh, who's engaged in Neil Long. Oh my God, salute to you, brother. You know what I'm saying? Excellent game plan, man. Excellent defensive game plan to stop KD. Boston plays great as a team. He has a great young superstar in Jason Tatum. He just outcoached the Nets, man, because people saying 
Kevin Durant was supposed to find a, a way, find ways to get himself open. I thought that was the head coach's job. Steve Nash, man, it's his fault that his team just looked like you just told Kevin Durant and Kyrie, out, Kyrie Irving, y'all go out there, man, and just hoop. No, no defensive adjustments, no offensive adjustments, no game planning at all. And that crap don't work against a team. Boston is a team with a great player, man. So do you think it's unfair Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving getting the blame for them getting swept up out of the playoffs? Uh, I'll say no. I don't think it's unfair, Doc. Um, but first and foremost, I, I think not enough credit is being given to the Boston Celtics yes. as a unit, as yes. a team. Uh, that uh, Ume uh, did a great coaching job. He, the, the players, the superstars on that team, the Jason Tatum's of the world, he's from St. Louis, and the J- Jalen Browns, uh, Marcus Smart, they all bought in to what their ho- head coach is bringing, Doc. And, and you can see it, man. And, and to me, honestly, uh, when you talk about what's happening in Brooklyn, it's evident that the Boston Celtics have what the Brook- Brooklyn Nets truly lacked and that is leadership so um that that it, it's glaring doc i mean from a standpoint if you you asking me do they share the blame of course they do doc this is the national basketball association the nba where the superstars they run the league kevin durant runs the league kyrie Irving he runs the league and from the start of it they were instrumental in bringing in steve nash as the head coach I mean, there's a quote once there, out there where Kyrie said that we don't need a coach. We don't need to be coached. We can just go out there and ball. So they were instrumental in bringing in Steve Nash, who was a great basketball player, two-time MVP of the league. But at the same time, his coaching chops, I think his coaching chops were exposed. Uh, the offense looked vanilla. Um, uh, he couldn't free up Kevin, Kevin Durant. He couldn't free up Kyrie Irving, guys who have great handle, great talents, great skillful players. That couldn't happen. And who, who who's responsible for hiring Steve Steve Nash? Not the general manager. It's Kevin Durant. It's Kyrie Irving. Let's just be real about it. And I think that they got in a position, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, they got in a position where they were playing emotional basketball or or, or putting together emotional teams where when it was when it was important that Kevin Durant step up and be a leader and say, listen, man, this is how we're going to do this. And by no means, either you with it or you're not with it. This is how, this is how we got to do it. I mean, he's been around championship uh, teams before and, and, and it's no indictment. It's just an, an analysis from a standpoint where when Kevin was in golden state, you know, all he, all he wanted to do was just who other guys ran the leadership, the Draymond greens of the world the Stephen Curry's of the world. They took care of the leadership. He just played the, the, the hired mercenary that was there to shoot your eyes out and get the MVPs. And that's exactly what he did. It's a different, it's a different arena in Brooklyn right now. They're calling on his leadership. They need him to lead, not only build a team, but to lead the team along with Kyrie Irving. They need to be the leaders. Sometimes, Doc, you got to be the first guy on that suicide line. You got to be finishing first for other guys to rally around you. I think they missed that opportunity as far as leadership is concerned for other guys to step in and really rally around and become a, a unit. They were open fists while the Boston Celtics was a closed fist and everyone was on the same page. They self-policed themselves. Marcus Smart would always uh, be on that bench before yeah. Ume came and, and delivered the game plan. So you see the difference in leadership styles, Doc, where one had it 
and one didn't. Where there's no vision, people perish. Where they, where you have a bit a vision, people are going to be successful. And I, th- but I think, and I think a, a lot a misconception is people think just because athletes are great athletes that they're great leaders. A lot of times, that's just not the case, man. Just no. because somebody's your best no. player. It could be a cat that don't never play to be your leader, man, because that's a personality trait that you really can't teach. And just because they're the best players, that don't mean they're going to be out there coaching you up, uplifting you. Because when I watch Brooklyn play, man, and I love KD and I love Kyrie Irving, when I watch them play, everybody else immediately looking for Kyrie or they're looking for KD and they just kind of run up the court and just like, well, I'm going to let them do what they do. Then hopefully I get a rebound. Hopefully I get a pass. And I don't really see them engaging and interacting with the players too much. But Steve Nash, still your damn fault, bro, because you're still a head coach. I'm not going to put it on all those young Royals, man. But I want to ask you this before we go to the Suns. And I, I, I got to talk about our Memphis Tigers at the spring game, man. Salute to them. Uh, football. Uh, ben Simmons, bro, he, he didn't play. You know, he, he came over in a trade with the 76ers in the middle. They sent Harden to, to Philly. Uh, ben says he had mental issues. Said his back hurt too, right? So he didn't play at all. Now, some things were said about Ben Simmons. And let me ask you, because to me, it's straight up out of bounds, bro. Now, Ike, you can talk about a young man's playing ability, right? Or what happens on the court. But when Stephen A. Smith said the dude is the most, basically the most despicable, disgusting Sports athlete in the history of sports, Ike B. That's too much, man. When Ben Simmons hasn't done anything to you personally, it's like all these dudes, Shaq, Reggie Miller, that bad at mad at Ben Simmons because he's playing with and getting paid. Now, bro, that pissed me off to no end, man. Because I don't know Ben Simmons. I don't know. I don't know the. But bro, when you get, especially when a young man that told you he's had mental problems. You can't down talk mm-hmm. that, but to say that somebody is the most despicable, basically disgusting sports athlete in the history of sports, when we ain't never heard about Ben Simmons getting arrested or getting in trouble, have you? I haven't. Ike B, bro, even Jamie Foxx, who Stephen A. Smith said that's his friend, told him that was too much, but Stephen A. tripled down and said, no, I'm going to do what I do, but bro, that's out of bounds and unfair to me, man. Well, you know, some people, it's their job to, to have strong opinions. And and some, I think some words that he may have used, disgusting, despicable, I didn't hear it. I'm just, you know, relaying yeah, on yeah, what yeah. you said. Um, I, I think it, it's out of bounds for sports, you know, but with the Reggie Millers of the world, the Shaqs of the world, and the Charles Barkley's of the world, they're, they're talking particularly of competitive nature. Now, you know, we need a competitive edge in any sport that we're playing. I mean, that's that it, it's it's our industry. And we know the importance of having a competitive edge and what it does for you, how it ignites other people around you, how it ignites how John ja Morant is igniting the fans. It's not all his athletic ability. It's his ability to be competitive in games like this. So when you question a guy's competitive level, I think that's inbound. I think you can, you know, question that, especially when, you may have someone thinking that you're going to play in another game or you're, you're, you're gradually progressing to play. And once again, once again, Doc, we can, we can revert back to leadership. What's in the locker room around him? Um, did you do your homework before you brought him in from a general manager standpoint? Because we can see he quit on LSU. We can see he quit in Philly. We can see that. So we can, 
you know, for Kevin Durant, for Kyrie Irving, we can go and see and do this research before we pull the trigger because they had to give their blessings to say, okay, let's send Harden away and let's bring this person in because we think he can help us. Doc, I mean, a lot of it falls on the general manager, Steve Nash, and a lot of it falls on the Kevin Durant's of the world and the Kyrie Irvings of the world because you have that ability to do that research. You've played against the guy, so you know you have some intel on this person. But as far as, you know, questioning his competitiveness, that's inbounds. The other stuff, I think that's out of bounds for what, what's, trying to, what's trying to go down here as far as in the world of sports. Especially my whole, especially, man, when you're a 50-something-year-old man, man, this is a young man that's old enough to be your son. It's, you can be on national TV, man, or on the run pass option, criticizing somebody for not playing well and not playing tough. But but cats hurt in his back and his, and his, and his head. I mean, them words just to me, man, was just some clownish behavior. But I got what you're saying, bro. You're right. Yeah. Because, but I, we know also in the locker room now, because Pac, Shaq said it's a punk move for him not to play. And the only, the only, you know, I wouldn't say that because I don't know the situation. But I know if I'm in the locker room and I got a teammate who I know I'm cool with, who I know is a dog, and I'm like, bro, you hurt? Yeah, I can't go. All right, my bro. All right, my guy. We're going to go roll without you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But if I if I know you weakest, then I'm like, oh, you ain't playing, yeah. bro. Oh, you a weak. I'm not surprised. So, thank you. Yeah. But I'm not, I don't I'm know being serious, so I can't make that assessment. Yeah. So, you know, but. I think, but, Doc, here's the thing. I think you've seen. A lot of his work, his body of work, to give a give a, an objective opinion on what you think his character as far as basketball is concerned. Now, let's just be real with that. I think you've seen a lot of that. You, you've seen in Philly where he didn't want to get fouled out. He didn't want to shoot the ball. We saw that. We saw where he didn't want. We saw when he came back for training camp this year, he didn't want to participate. We, we saw that with our eyes. So. What you do speak so loud. I can't hear a word you're saying, man. I'm not, I'm not clowning. I'm not attacking you as a person, yeah. but I am attacking the problem. And the problem was, is in the basketball arena for, for Ben Simmons. I still think, Stephen, that you went too far, man. You went too far. Yeah, I'm, absolutely. I'm, I'm going to start. I'm going to keep, I'm going to stay on your damn beam. Yours too, Barkley, even though I called you the great Charles Barkley. Now, as far as the player was concerned, you were great. But as far as the person, absolutely. I don't like your ass, man. I don't, I don't, I don't. But Phoenix Suns, man. 112-97 over the over the Pelicans, man. They now lead that series three games to two, man. Some uh Mikael Bridges, 31 points, five rebounds. And Chris Paul, 22 points, 11 boys. Dude, just man, dude, dude, like a little ch- he, he chubby, but he ain't chubby. You know what I'm saying? He like he walked pigeon toe, but he just continues to give people that work. I don't even know how how old Chris Paul is, 34, 35, but I kind of want you know, I want the Grizzlies to win the championship, but if they can't do it. I want Phoenix to do it. I know you want the Heat to do it, but <laughs> hey, man, I like the I like the way Chris Paul is continuing to play. They still playing without Devin Booker, man. But Mikael Bridges steps up, thirty one points. Brandon Ingram, man, twenty two points and five rebounds. Man, skinny dude from Duke. Skinny dude just be hooping, man. I look at Brandon yeah. Ingram. I look like you look like the, yeah. the, the the thin man or something like that. But he just hoops, man. But Phoenix yeah. take, but they the one seed, just like the Heat, bro. You could talk about the Heat and the Hawks. What what's the Miami Heat seed? The one seed, right? Number one. They were supposed Number to do that. One. So we yeah. really shouldn't be celebrating what the Heat did to the Hawks. They were supposed to do that. But the Suns are the one seed in the West, and Pelicans giving their ass some problems, man. So salute to Chris Paul and salute to the uh, uh, Phoenix Suns, bro. But they still got one more win before they send uh, uh, New Orleans home. Yeah, it's been a great series thus far, Doc. I mean, you talk you talk about uh, CP3, what he's been able to do. He doesn't look a little different, you know, from his uh, body composition than last year. Last year, he was plant-based. 
And a couple of times he called a couple of dunks, alley-oop. So you can see that plant-based diet was working. So I'm not sure he probably reverted back to, you know, other stuff. But Doc, once again, even in this series, you're seeing the maturation of these young stars, Brandon Ingram, just like you just mentioned. And I can just imagine if Zion Williamson was with this squad, man, they would have a lot of firepower to go against these Phoenix Suns. They probably wouldn't be playing in the play-in game, but probably be a legit playoff team. But they're giving them Phoenix Suns everything they can handle, minus, minus the Devin Bookers of the world. So um, it, it's a great matchup. I think Phoenix will, Phoenix will go ahead and, and uh, end this, this series here soon. But you can see where Coach Willie Green for, for the Pelicans is taking this team, and they're maturing right before our eyes, Doc. And it's beautiful to see. Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram is truly missed in La La Land. Yes, sir. That's the they most gave up on him Yes, sir. Quick, oh my goodness, man! Yeah, this guy can very well be the, uh, Kevin Durant-ish type player. He has the same body makeup, same mid-range games, and, and can hit that three-pointer. So I think they might have missed on, on on trading this guy away, man. You damn right they missed. They missed all the way up, man. So you got him. Hooping the way he's hooping. And I got we also got to give credit to CJ McCollum, man, because he's been hooping too. They picked him up, man, traded, uh, got him from Portland. He's been hooping too. So uh it's been a nice little series, man. Uh as we say, NFL draft coming up tomorrow. We'll wait after the draft, talk about the draft. Man, this ain't no damn draft show, this predictions in it. But Ike, I want to tell you about our Memphis Tigers spring football game. Memphis Tigers, man, had our spring football game at the Liberty Bowl last Friday. We call it Friday Night Stripes and Ike BC. I, I went into the game because I want to see how these quarterbacks going to look. Quarterbacks and the running backs. Kind of, you know, I don't pay attention too much to the defense, but this, this is a spring game. I tell people all the time, man, spring game don't mean anything. I don't even understand. Well, I know why they have spring practice because they want to have, they want our ass to have something to do because you ask, you, you don't do nothing for you in the fall. But anyway, man, I, the quarterbacks for the Memphis Tigers fans, Seth Hennigan, the young fellow who started last year, man, he went 11 to 20, 194 yards, six drives, he had a, and a touchdown. Grant Gunnell, the big dude. Big dude went four drives, 13 to 21, 192 yards. I be two scoring drives. But they got the young fella, man, the highest rated uh, quarterback, uh, I think the Tigers we've ever signed, Tevin Carter from right here in Memphis. He only got two series, but, bro, he came out, man, ended, he ended it, Ike B, with a scramble and flicked that thing, man, 69 yards, brother Eric Rivers, man. It was so pretty, the whole play. So he may not play next season, but you never know. Just them, and I got to give it to the running back, Rodriguez Clark, man. He had 104 receiving yards, looking like a mini Kenny Gainwell, even though Kenny Gainwell was at the game. Uh, so the Tigers, man, on the offensive end, looked pretty good. Now, they had 552 passing yards, so they would look good as far as uh, a game, but hell, that's the whole team. So the the defense, you're tripping. Now, I got to give it to the DB Greg Rubin. He he did what he does. Had a couple of nice little pass breakups. But our Tigers, man, you know, it's tough now because talking to – I didn't understand this 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 transfer reporter. Cats getting paid to leave, man. You know what I'm saying? So, but overall, how they looked, I, I liked I liked how they looked going into summer workouts in the offseason before going to fall camp especially with those two quarterbacks, even if they rest serve Tevin Carter. I think, I think yeah. we're in a good position, man, with those two quarterbacks. Like me. Well, that's good news. That's good to hear, man, uh, uh, based on what we have coming out uh, offensively. Um, you know, we got to find a way to keep these guys happy. I feel like, you know, with the transfer portal uh, being a part of college football, college, college athletics as a whole, 
you got to figure out a way to keep these guys happy from year to year. So if we got to play Carter just a little bit, just to give people a flash of what's what's to come in the future, by all means, do it. Try to get him on the field as best you can. Now, I, I'm more interested in what we can do defensively. I think uh, from a defensive line standpoint, I think the last couple of years, that's been our biggest weakness as far as putting pressure on opposing quarterbacks, stopping the run, uh, who can clog up that middle, just getting some beef up front, Doc. So I think that'll, that'll, that'll make a big difference in what we try to do defensively. I know we can score. I know we can put points on the board. But at the same time, in the AAC, we want to make sure that we stop people when they need to be stopped. And that's my thing, man, that, physica- that, that physicality on defense, man. Uh, that's what I want to see. That's what I need to see, man, because a lot of times when you're struggling on offense, man, if you got a good defense that can make some stops, yeah. you can win some games and they can put you in a position to win some games because great defense, low-scoring games, you get a, you know, get a defensive turnover here or a turnover here, they can turn the game around. But spring game, man, we can talk about it. Don't get too excited. It's just a spring. Hey, and then cats out there playing against each other. Uh, we've been out there. Sometimes you go hard, but if it's somebody you like, but a lot of time when trash talking is concerned, because there was a lot of old Tigers there too, man. It was good to see him. A lot of new Tigers did there too, man, you know, in the in, NFL. So it was good to see Antonio Gibson. It was good to see Kenneth Gainwell, you know, Patrick Taylor Jr., uh, Calvin Austin coming up, Memphis Tiger. He's in it this year's NFL draft. So it was good to see a lot of those cats, man. So, uh, and, and some of them old dudes. And and I saw our boy Quip, you know, equipment. I had to get on equipment Spalding, bro. Equipment, if you live, I had to get on him again. Because I said, look, Quitman, quit grinding telling these folks you the fastest Tiger ever, bro. Don't do that. Yeah, Quitman, you told it. Because he told it. Come, come on, Q. <laughs> come on, Q. But anyway, man, our Memphis Tigers, man. And lastly, bro, did you see that 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 trophy, that that Heisman trophy that Oklahoma unveiled for, for Baker Mayfield? I did see it. Yeah. Right, come on. Who, who the hell did that, bro? Who designed that? And why would the Oklahoma even accept that? You got to get that back, man, and say, we can't. We can't. Just throw a pick. That, that, man, that stuff ugly as hell, bro. Well, I tell you what, you know, the Oklahoma Sooners just happens to be Oklahoma's professional football team as far as football is concerned. So, you know, you got to go all out for your guys who won Heisman Trophy. I guess Kyler Murray is next in line to get a, get a statue uh, somewhere in Norman. Uh, there's been a lot of great quarterbacks. The Jamel Holloways of the world, the Charles yes. Thompsons of the world that have played for the Oklahoma Sooners, man, and, and went to great heights, man, leading them to championships and Big Ten, Big Ten, excuse me, Big Eight championships. I mean, it, it's a lot of tro- a lot of statues to go around that place. Ike B, and before we wrap it up, Jamel Holloway, best option quarterback ever. I don't care what any, maybe because I was a kid, best option quarterback ever. And somebody else I want to put up there as option quarterback, Kane Daddy, Keith Ben. Y'all might not know about it, but I know about it. Memphis State quarterback, University of Memphis quarterback. But Ike, be anything else you want to add, man, before we get up out of here, bro? I mean, you talk about the greatness of Jamel Holloway, man. Ask Troy Aikman about Jamel Holloway. Yes. He sent him to UCLA. Sent his ass on up out of there. Sent his ass right from <laughs> no, Oklahoma to UCLA. <laughs> no, nah, we're good, man. Great show today, Doc, man. Awesome job. Appreciate you, man. That's going to do it for another great episode of the Ron Pass Option with Pro Football Hall of Famer Isaac Bruce and Doc Holliday. I am Doc Holliday. We out. <laughs>